I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, episode number 16. We talk depression, mental illness, and hepatitis C with country music icon, Naomi Judd. Stay tuned for this Life-Changing Wellness interview. This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Well, before we start, please head over to iTunes after the interview, rate it high, and leave a kind review and tell all of your family and friends. So if you could just do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, my guest today hails from the Appalachian foothills of Ashland, Kentucky. She is the mother of the country music duo, The Judds, and they were first discovered in 1983 after landing a spot on The Ralph Emery Show. They made their chart debut by the end of the year with Had a Dream for the Heart, and the two were on their way to a history-making career. And for the rest of the 1980s, each single from The Judds released by RCA went to the Billboard Top 10 with 15 number one hits, and again, what an amazing duo. Well, the Judds embarked on their farewell tour in 1991 after Naomi's diagnosis of hepatitis C forced her to retire from the road. While Naomi focused on her health, beating the disease, writing several New York Times bestselling books, and becoming a very popular motivational speaker. And listen to the list of awards from Naomi and the Judds. Judds, six-time Grammy winners, nine-time CMAs, eight-time ACM winners, 15 number one hits, and again, without further ado, and I am very honored with my guest today, Ms. Naomi Judd. Hello, Naomi. Well, what a true adventure it is meeting you finally. I appreciate all the good work that you've been doing. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, I want to kind of jump into your to your brand new book, I was very uh, intrigued, to say the least, because I want to kind of, you know, start off the interview with what made you want to go public with your struggles with depression? I've always been an entertainer, and I was actually going to go on. Nobody knows this. I was going to go get my MD, uh, but Winona, at the time, I guess she was about 12, 13, started singing on me, and I knew that she had her destiny stamped on her forehead. We had to come to Nashville. So I just sort of put aside um, my fantasy about becoming a doctor, came to Nashville uh, for her to get into country music. Um, I was already a registered nurse, so I was working at the area hospital, head nurse in ICU, when we started getting into country music. But um, I have always, ever since I was a child, according to family stories, I've always wanted to help people. I used to do the, the funerals in the neighborhood for all the pets, and um, I was one that took everybody's homework to them when they had the mumps um, after, after school, but I just consider myself um, a healer. And after the farewell tour, you mentioned hepatitis C. The Mayo Clinic, by the way, gave me three years to live. How wow. horrible is that? Yeah, when the doctor yeah. told me that, it was like he was putting a medical hex on me. He was putting a curse on me, and if I didn't know what I knew about medicine, I might be taking a six-foot dirt nap right now. But anyway, they gave me three years to live. Um, I really began studying the uh, scientific rationale behind the spirit-mind-body connection, but I went into a very deep, dark depression 
because I missed the fans so desperately. I was used to being on stage Super Bowl, London Palladium, Madison Square Garden, Carnegie Hall and all that. Different city every night, all that stimulation. And, and I I was just so... I live on a remote farm. And Dr. Bond, I don't even see people unless I go into town. Our, our farm is that deep in the woods. But I sunk so low with this depression, I began even having um, terrible panic attacks, panic disorder. I'd be up all night with this panic attack thing. And I just knew that one of the ways that I'd get myself out of these um, horrible tragedies is by focusing on other people. That's what helped me recover and actually be cured from hepatitis C. So once again, I just stayed focused on reaching out to other people, trying to help them understand um, how they too can emerge with hope. And spoiler alert here, but I'm doing great now. I figured out certain things that I do every single day to keep myself um, mentally strong. Well, let me let me ask you this because you know you, you were diagnosed with hepatitis C back in 1991, and I'm sure the shock of first getting the diagnosis, because back then, you know, hepatitis C, no one really knew how to effectively treat it like they do today. And then you're giving, given the diagnosis of three years to live. And I mean, was this leading up to, or was this the cause of the depression or was it, or was the depression missing, you know, the, the touring and interacting with fans and making records? It's a great question. Yeah. Back then, um, Hepatitis C was a death sentence. We didn't have any cures. Nobody ever used the word cure. Of course, I'm very happy to announce that today we have a couple of medications. We've come so far, and we actually can get cures for people, which just thrills my soul. Um, but I think having to retire, and I can remember our last concert, I was the last one to leave the arena, the very last one, and I stood there as my skeleton crew was finishing my lighting guys literally turned off my spotlight on my side of the stage, and it was a metaphor. Who turned off mm. my light? Who turned off my spotlight? My bus driver brought me home on my tour bus, dropped me off at my farm here. About 2 o'clock in the morning, it was a bitterly cold December night. I remember it, unfortunately, all too well. I had my gowns and a bag over my arm, um, a box with my stuff from the bus on it. I came into my farm. And my husband was out with Juanona. He'd gone out to help her start her solo career. I was alone. I could literally hear the talk, the clock ticking in my kitchen. And I just knew that I was in trouble. The phone never rang. I never saw anybody. And that's when I really started my descent. So it was a combination because the hepatitis C forced my retirement. I was so critically ill. I couldn't even pull on my pantyhose. I couldn't put my makeup on, let alone stay on stage for 90 minutes to do a big show jumping off risers. So the hepatitis well, C did forced you, me to be home. Well, did your friends abandon you when you got off the road? Well, like Reba, um, Dolly Parton, all these, and Tammy Wynette was my best friend until she was murdered, but they were my girlfriends. I didn't get to see them a whole lot. We would park our buses side by side when we were touring together. But to tell you the truth, I hadn't cultivated friends here in, um, where I live. And I live in, in Tennessee, but an hour south of Nashville. Winona lives over the hill behind me, and Asha lives up the road on a farm next to me. But I didn't 
I never took time because I was spending all my life on the road. Um, for instance, I never went to restaurants when I was home because I ate in a restaurant every night on the road. But I didn't, I hadn't cultivated really true girlfriends. So after I came home and had all this time on my hands, I began to develop what I call the Yaya Sisterhood. There was a movie I actually did about 15 years ago called Divine, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. Oh, yeah. But, but there's a, it's a story about women who grow up together literally from um, childhood all the way to the, it chronicles them through all the years and the way they stuck together through their friendship. So I had this big ceremony doing the Yaya Sisterhood thing from the movie. And I found about 11 girls that um, have become literally my sisters now. And we are very tightly bonded. So they helped me through the Depression because they made me get out of the house. There's a chapter in my book called Potato Salad on the Hood of the Car because I would <laughs> promise that I'd be ready to go out and do something or go over to somebody's house and have dinner and watch a movie. And then I wouldn't be able to leave the house. I wouldn't be able to get out of my pajamas. So I'd leave my world-famous potato salad on the hood of my car, and they'd come get it. And I'd hide behind the curtains and watch them until they left. But I got so bad, it's... Uh, well, let it, me ask you this. When did the nightmares start, and why? The nightmares started during the depression thing. I realized that we all heal from the inside out. You know, physically, if we have a cut, the cut has to heal from the deepest part of the cut. It literally heals from the down up, and I had to sort of excavate my past. There were a lot of things that I had never taken the time to pull out into the light of day and acknowledge things that I had never told anybody. Um, one of my therapists asked me what was my first memory, and I said the words for the first time in my life. I said, well, my first memory is three and a half, being sexually molested by Uncle Charlie, and he about fell out of his seat, and then I was 22 years old, living in Hollywood, raising the two kids, one internationally, all by myself. Didn't even have a car, if you can believe that, in Hollywood. I remember one time <laughs> taking Ashley to the bus, to the, I mean, to the doctor on a bus. She had a 103 temperature, and that was a low point for me. I felt like a terrible mother. But anyway, I was 22, going through a really rough time, and I was beaten and raped by an ex-con on heroin. When he shot up heroin, I was able to escape and go to the sheriff's station with the girls. So those are just a few of the things that I actually talk about in the book. While I was going through this period with all these different psychiatrists and going to facilities for a month at a time to help clear out, first of all, like I said, acknowledge my traumas and then mm -hmm. deal with them and figure out what I had learned from them, what I could use. And it really helped me to identify with other people. And one of the things that I did study was all the, the stuff about the brain. The brain is my passion. I study neuroscience and genetics. Wow. But well, I just gave a, br a brain lecture last night, so uh, you and I yes. need to talk more. Yes. Yes. So you and I probably have more discussions in that area probably after this interview. But uh, let me ask you this, because you said that you had seen a series of psychiatrists and, and other experts and and trying to, you know, get through this period of time. And but and then now you've led into the fact that, uh, well, you started 
studying the brain a little bit more. Now, what did that lead you to? Well, I actually began studying um, because when I was diagnosed in 1993 and realized, well, no, actually, I was diagnosed in about 1990. But at that time, they didn't even have a test for hepatitis C. They just said I had non-HIV. Right. But in 1993, when they came out with the hep C uh, diagnosis test, and I knew what I had, I refused to buy into what the doctors were telling me. And it was horrible because I literally looked at my liver biopsy under the electron microscope. I knew enough from uh, my medical background to be able to recognize that I was in bad shape according to what that biopsy showed. So I began um, calling people. I began, like Dr. Andrew Weil is now a close friend. Yes. We've been friends for 20 years. I go to his ranch. He's been here to my farm. Um, Dr. Mamet Oz is coming to the house tomorrow. I've known Mamet Oz, who has the hit show Dr. Oz on TV. We've been friends for about yeah. 20 years. Um, everybody from Deepak Chopra to um, Dr. Candace Perk, a biophysicist who actually passed away last year, but I would befriend them, and I would sit through their lectures, uh, do their placebo-based double-blind clinical trial studies, and slowly but surely, it helped me stimulate my body's immune system. I was so I had such a beleaguered immune system, but I understood how to use all these different modalities to stimulate my body's own, and I'm one of the few people from that era who uh, was actually pronounced cured. Yeah, because you were actually one of the first, because I remember when the press release came out to state that you had beat hepatitis C, and which was very uncommon at that time. Nobody. Um, my doctor, Dr. Yeah, nobody. Bacon. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody. Uh, I think the, the last person I heard probably after you uh, was probably uh, Pamela Anderson, when uh, she overcome overcame hepatitis C, but you know, yeah. let me let me uh, let, let's help help all the listeners with the timeline here because so you go off the road in 1991, and at this time you're dealing with this whole diagnosis of hepatitis C, seeking out you know you're basically going beyond the doctor that tells you that you have three years to live. So to me, you you still have the fight in you, and because you're wanting answers. And uh, so was the depression lingering before the hepatitis C or did just coming off the road just really compound the whole problem? It started during the hepatitis C. For one thing, anytime you have a serious uh, physical ailment, of course, hepatitis C, like I told you, was a death sentence. And they basically said, just go home to the farm and die. You're going to die a long, slow, lingering death. Well, that will throw you into depression right there. But also being away from Winona and the fans and getting to sing and communicate with everybody. Um, and I loved waking up every day in a completely different environment, a new city every day. That I mean, you either like it, like I did, or you're on a plane home the next day. It's really uh, a pretty grueling lifestyle, but I just took to it. So I was missing all that. I was missing the traveling. I was missing the whole music environment. I missed the smiling faces of all the dear fans who had changed my life. But I was, in the beginning, so critically ill, I couldn't get out of bed. It was a big deal to get up, brush my teeth, and change my nightgown. But slowly and surely, um, I would use the telephone. I would call Dr. Naomi Rachel Remen, 
who at that time was one of the chiefs of staff at Stanford, uh, we became close friends. I would begin calling these doctors, and slowly but surely, of course, I read every book that um, they'd written. I would go, like Dr. Bruce Bacon, who became a, a liver doctor, my specialist, is at the University of um, St. Louis. He's head of hepatology, which, of course, means study of the liver. Uh, I would go up and hang out with him, and he's the one that put me back on the new version of interferon. Nobody had been paying attention. Uh, I would go to doctors, and they'd say, hey, I want you to do my benefit next week. And people don't realize how badly celebrities are treated by the medical profession. It's like they have stars really? in their eyes. They don't see us as real people. Wow. So let me ask you this, because of, uh, now, did the treatment of the hepatitis C, did the treatment alone, did it aggravate the depression? Because if you're on the road, you have to have energy for the road. You, you've got to be, you know, basically pumped up, ready to go, walk out on stage and do the show. So you come home off the bus, did the fatigue and the sickness, was it more of just uh, from the treatment or more from just both. coming off the road and for both? Oh, absolutely. Hepatitis C not only affects the liver, but it affects the brain and any of the medications, like interferon, I can't remember the statistics now because it's been a while, but any time a person was on interferon, the vast majority of them would have to drop out, even though interferon was the only game in town to That's do any right. effect on their hepatitis C. They wouldn't be able to stand the hideous side effects. You feel like you have the world's worst case of the flu. Interferon is a naturally occurring substance in the human body. It interferes, hence the name yeah, it interferes with the virus's ability to reproduce. That's all it does. It's like putting a blanket on a fire, a smoldering fire. It just tries to keep the uh, infection down, but it never really cures it. So you have the, anybody who has had a chronic illness or a chronic injury even gets depressed because they're sidelined. They can't get out of bed. They have to stay on the couch. They can't go to work. They lose touch with their family and their friends. So there's the social aspect, but the physiological, the actual physical reality of having hepatitis C is that it causes major depression to the brain chemicals in the brain. And I literally went to Shearing Plow, who made um, the best interferon at the time. I went to one of their meetings and spoke, and I said, you guys have got to figure this out. People will not stay on your drug. I was trying to talk to him because... I knew what they wanted with his money. I said, you're losing oh, yeah. money. They can't stay on your version of interferon. The side effects are too bad. You've got to figure out, tell your scientific panel to figure out how to buffer these hideous side effects so they can stay on the drug. Then they'll get better and you'll get more money. Well, you hit the nail on the head. Now, let me ask you this question, because when did your addiction to clonopin actually start and how did you get off of it? I was on so many medications. Uh, I had a psychiatrist here in Nashville who really just, uh, I felt like a science experiment. He would put me on uh, an antidepressant, and a couple of weeks later, he, it wasn't working. So he would switch me off. Um, I was on just about every single antidepressant um, that was made at that time. And I began having the panic disorder. Uh, people that have never had a panic attack have no clue what the heck I'm talking about, but it's sheer terror, and you think you're dying. It would start at night, and I think
think it started at night because that was usually the time that I would be going on stage. And then right. I wouldn't go to bed till 2 or 3 in the morning because after the show, you've got meet and greets with the record label people, the radio people, the band winners. Um, but anyway, at night, I would just become hysterical with terror. So this doctor started giving me clonopin. There are four benzodiazepines. They're called benzos, four benzos. And it's Valium, clonopin, Xanax, and what's the fourth one? Valium, clonopin. Oh, clonopin. Xanax. And but anyway, benzos are highly addictive. And I had no idea. And I've never even been drunk in my life. I've, done, I've never done drugs. Um, but he got me addicted to clonopin. And I went into the Vanderbilt Hospital here in Nashville, Tennessee, and got phenobarbital, which is a very dangerous, seldom yes, used Yes, it's very dangerous. Drug. You know, they had a nurse stayed with me for the first 24 hours checking my blood pressure every 15 minutes. So phenobarbital is so dangerous. But um, there was no way that Naomi Joe was going to get addicted to anything. So I was Well, how did you figure out that you were addicted to it? My husband started noticing um Again, I, I was given it by a doctor, which is terrible. But it's sure. just like the opioid crisis right now. These doctors are over-prescribing opioids. We have an epidemic in our country. I'm sure you're keenly aware of that. Oh, I'm very aware of it. Yeah, a lot of them are ended up being pill mills. Yes. And they're just writing out prescriptions for no reason at all. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I was when I gave a lecture last night talking about brain nutrition and on the subject of antidepressants, that a lot of people need to focus on their gut health. And by improving gut health, you're also going to improve the way your body produces neurotransmitters so that the brain can actually use them effectively. That's why I take uh, probiotics, seven strains, every day. There, there you go. Well, there, you know, that's the way we need to do it. And a lot of people, I think, even... I know doctors seem to ignore it because I've talked to a lot of doctors and researchers, and I know you have too. And and I have got to say this, Naomi, I'm very impressed because of the fact that you know I knew you were an RN, and uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I was really surprised that you had uh, you know were actually going to go after uh, to be an MD and then stardom hit. But uh, let me ask you this question, because I know that uh, we're almost uh, towards the end of the show. But uh, through overcoming depression, uh, when did the light bulb finally come on? I'm out of the darkness now. But once you have depression, it's a lifelong situation. One of the interesting um, quotes that someone told me was, I think it was Oliver Wendell Holmes that said, one way to live a long life is to acquire a chronic illness so you have to start taking better care of yourself. So when I realized I had depression, I have the genetic uh, predisposition to depression. My whole family um, is just riddled with major depression, panic disorder. That's why I study epigenetics, by the way. Uh, I just got back from the Libra Brain Institute up in Baltimore, Maryland. It's on the campus of Johns Hopkins. Um, and my best girlfriend's a neuroscientist and a psychiatrist, Dr. Mona Lisa who teaches me about brain plasticity, and Dr. Francis Collins, who's director of the NIH now, is a dear family friend. Uh, he actually came to spend his week's vacation with me and taught me about genetics. So even though I have this genetic predisposition to depression, even though I had hepatitis C, which caused me to be physically as well as emotionally depressed, now 
I have figured out all these ways to keep myself emotionally strong, to keep myself balanced. I'm also bipolar, so I've learned how to take the proper nutrition. Um, I don't like exercise, but I walk around my big yard every night. I sleep better. We live in a, a gorgeous valley, so uh, that's real good for me. But in my book, I know we don't have the time. In my book, I literally list all the things that I found out the hard way, what I went through, so that I can say to somebody else, that someone listening to our voices right now is one of the 40 million Americans that have depression. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you need to pick up the book. I know that Naomi Judd's book, River of Time, uh, is available in paperback December the 5th. And again, like she has just stated, her book will offer will and does offer encouragement to the 40 million Americans who suffer from depression and anxiety. So by listening to this interview today, you understand that depression is a very broad condition. People have depression from life experiences. And, and Naomi, you know, some of your life experiences are, in my mind, horrific, but uh you know, I, I believe the hand of God is upon you with his healing hand. And I believe that the things that you have learned and that you that you are now sharing with the public, you're you're going to be changing millions of lives. And even though we don't always understand why we go through some things, but, you know, the Lord always tells us our test becomes our testimony. And I believe this is one of those times. So I want to wow. thank you so much for coming onto the show. If I could share this quick verse with you, because it was my daily, oh, please it was my do. daily reading this, this morning. It was Isaiah 26.3, which said, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. So I wish everybody listening to us right now healing of the mind, the body, and the spirit. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you so much for coming on to Life-Changing Wellness. And for all of you listening, remember, catch every episode of Life-Changing Wellness and also hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com. Again, if I could ask you a favor, take 30 seconds, rate the, rate the show today or rate the show on iTunes. And the reason being is we want to attract more people like you to the show. Now, I'm Dr. Ward Bond. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Ward Bond TV and on Facebook at Dr. Ward Bond. And also check out again my show page, RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. And please connect uh, with me at drwardbond.com and please join our free Healing and Remedies Recipes class. Uh, there's a lot of information there to help reverse disease the natural way. I'm Dr. Ward Bond. Have a healthy and blessed day.